Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, Duke fans. It is time to celebrate a victory by the Blue Devils, episode number 567 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. I am Jason Evans. I am joined by Donald Wine. Donald, how are you doing this fine Sunday morning? About 10 a.m. here on the East Coast time Sunday morning. Doing great. We're back in the win column. But Jason, before we get started, I, I know this is the Duke Basketball Roundup, but I got to ask you, um, did you did you reach out to Shohei Otani? Because, you know, he can be the next sponsor of the show. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That is an outrageous. You know, it's funny. A, a couple days before, or I guess, you know, a day before Shohei Otani um, agreed to the contract, $700 million over 10 years with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I saw something that was saying, you know, oh, he might get a 10-year, $500 million contract. And I was like, that's insane. That's crazy. And then they went and they, like, they bested it by $200 million. Well, Jason, so they were talking about, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 600 million dollars which is just an astronomical amount of money but when you think about it what i was thinking of when we when some of my friends and i were talking we we're like okay shohei otani the best pitcher in baseball best pitcher in baseball gets about 300 million dollars shohei otani also the best hitter in baseball best hitters in baseball get about 400 million dollars you add that up that's what he got Got seven hundred million dollars, and he doesn't have to pitch next year. And it's great because he gets to sponsor this the show that he's never heard of, um, in a sport that he doesn't play. And it's so cool that he's just agreed to do that. So thank you, Shohei, for sponsoring the Duke Basketball Roundup. Right, no more commercials on our broadcast. It'll just be the Shohei Otani brought to you by. Just Shohei be him Otani. hitting home runs. Like yeah. you'll just hear the. 
in, in your in your feed. So right, exactly. He could pay for us out of the lint in his pocket after yeah. uh, after signing that contract. Wow, big big deal. All right, let's get to the Blue Devils because there there was some news about Duke as well this weekend as Duke took on the Charlotte 49ers and came away with a hard won uh, victory. Um, you know, this was a game, Donald, that Duke controlled early and then it started to go away a little bit in the second half. And I actually was really, really proud of the team that they responded so well. Charlotte put on a nice run. I, I want to remind everybody on the preview, we said this, this Charlotte team is not a bad team. This was a team very similar to like a Georgia Tech in terms of their quality. And and Duke obviously had terrible trouble with Georgia Tech. And I think the fact that they handled Charlotte as well as they did is really saying something. The final score, 80 to 56. And for most of the game, Duke was well into double digits, you know, pushing 20, 20 plus points throughout the entire contest, which was great to see. Hey, man, before we get to you and me doing our thing, let's do the thing where we bring in the uh, the listeners, all the folks who sent us uh, headlines. And actually, uh, you know. I'll go ahead and note it. We didn't have quite as many headlines. They didn't come in nearly as fast as they have in recent games. I think that everyone is sort of on, you know, pre-Christmas break, so to speak, like the the, the Duke students were. Um, I noticed that Cameron wasn't as full, wasn't as loud. Um, you know, it just it, it wasn't quite the same atmosphere that you get for a usual Duke game when when the students are in full attendance. I'm not blaming anybody for that. I completely understand, you know, what was going on, but. Anyway, we didn't get quite as many headlines as we usually do, but there were still some excellent ones. Uh, Josh Dilly gave us McCain McCann. I liked that <laughs> uh, because Jared McCain uh, most and, assuredly and he, could. And he McDid. He McDid, exactly, <laughs> in this game, for sure. Uh, the K-Man, David Kerman. Uh, Duke's backcourt trio combines for nine triples to trip up Niners. A lot of different numbers in that. I didn't think I'd be able to read that, uh, you know, read that one five times fast. Thank you, K-Man. Uh, Chris Immershine, Devil, Devils are raising McCain while Blake's bakes a perfect cake. I just love the way that rolled off my tongue. Congratulations, Chris. You've now made me hungry. Now I need raising canes in my life. <laughs> uh, Jared Strauss. Jared Strauss wins the alliteration prize. Are you ready for Jared's? Uh -huh. I'm going to try and get through this without tripping up. Blake's better ball movement benefit Blue Devils in bounce back win. <laughs> and the last one I saw. Joseph Reed. Now, Joe Reed writes to us all the time, but he rarely, I think he said this is the first time he's ever sent in a headline. Mm -hmm. So, Joseph, this one's for you. He said, major win against the Miners. Duke shrugs off sluggishness against Charlotte. Sure, 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 sure. I'm having trouble reading these, Donald. <laughs> Look, it, it's actually really cool because at first you kind of think when he said Miners instead of Niners, you think it's a little ration. Or, or 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 a typo, but like, hey, you know, 49ers, what do they do? They dig for gold. They're, they're mining for gold. So that's very cool. I mean, Joseph Reed is is an author. Like he sent us a book back in the day, which was very good. Um, so that that was that was some that was an author's mind right there. There you go. I like it. All right. So let's get to you and I talking about the good from this game. There's plenty, plenty of good. Uh I'll I'll start and say right from the get-go, just better passing, better movement. It wasn't we didn't just see Duke doing dribble handoffs? They created space by spreading things out a little bit. Um, it allowed us to get into the lane. I just thought that you know, I, I know that it wasn't a major overhaul, and maybe it's dependent on the opponent, maybe it's dependent on where you're playing, you know, being on the road or being in a neutral site versus um being at home. 
but but the Duke offense showed so much more cohesion than it has lately, don't you think, Donald? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you mentioned at the beginning that a lot of people were kind of concerned early in that second half when, you know, when the Charlotte started to kind of creep back into the game. But if you think about it, when you look at this whole game, it became 24 to 13 at the 1040 mark in the first half. That's 11 point lead. It never got lower than that the rest of the game. So even while we were in our mind kind of having PTSD of, oh, no, we're starting off uh, the second half kind of slow. They never it was very comfortable from this team the whole game. And it was because the cohesion was there is because, like you said, they moved the ball around quite well. We had a lot of guys. And, and Jason, this is something that we said in the preview that actually happened. We said that we wanted this team to figure out how to replace Tyrese Proctor without sacrificing the better part of themselves. And I think they did that very well. You know, our assist rate, you know, 15, it was a 15 assists on 24 made baskets. Yo, I'm cool with that. That's a, that's a nice percentage right there. But also these guys were shooting well. We shot 55% from three. We shot 50% from the floor. We shot almost 80% from the free throw line. We were doing the things that we need to do and picking up the responsibilities that Tyrese Proctor had while again, not sacrificing the good things that they already do that get them on the floor in the first place. So I'm very proud of the guys for again, a week of practice and and kind of honing in on what was missing and figuring out how to bring that out and make it where again, it's great that we were, we were back home in Cameron, but it's also great to get back the confidence that we were missing the past couple of weeks. Yeah, and you brought up that assist rate, 15 assists for Duke on 24 made baskets, a 62.5% assist rate. I want to also touch on something that I think almost was more important in this game, which is that Charlotte had nine assists on 21 baskets for just a 42.9% assist rate. I mentioned this. The last couple opponents, the last two games that Duke has lost, Arkansas and Georgia Tech, we were giving up assists on like 70% of opponents made baskets. Just a huge, huge number. And... It was just, it was so refreshing to see the Duke defense doing a better job at preventing our opponent from getting easy shots. I mean, yeah, let's be clear. Charlotte did not have an outstanding shooting game, and they missed some shots that they will probably tell you they should make. But Duke's defense was just better at rotating, better at identifying, you know, when to give help and when not to, better at switching, better at everything that gives up easy baskets. To be clear, we're not great at it yet. Deshaun Jackson of Charlotte had a few ridiculous thunder dunks. One of our one of our listeners wrote to us and said, I, I want to check to see if there was a, a, a dent in the floor after one of those dunks because he threw it through so hard. But for the most part, compared to what we saw in previous games, I thought Duke's defense was considerably better at preventing Charlotte from getting easy shots. And I think that has been a, a huge, huge problem for Duke lately that, that's gone a little... You know, I, I don't want to say ignored, but but people haven't noticed it the way they've been noticing the troubles on offense. I think the defense was also a problem, and it's worth noting, Charlotte scored just 56 points in this game. That's 12 less than their season average, and Duke Sports Information tells me that every single team Duke has played this year, all nine opponents, have failed to reach their season average in their game against Duke. So that, you know, as much as our D has struggled, we're still not giving up a lot of points. So that's, that's it. That's the, that's the number one goal of defense, right, Donald? Yeah. And it starts with, it starts with defense and it also starts with energy. And Jason, I'm going to call out one guy who I thought we're going to talk about a few guys, but I want to start with Jalen Blakes because Jalen Blakes coming oh, off do the bench. Do it, baby. Do it. it, it yeah. Jalen Blakes coming off the bench. Game. Jason, 
first of all, I, we'll get to the energy in a second. First of all, Jason, uh, on the last podcast or, or whatever, you, you mentioned that while his energy is always there, that he was never going to be a main focal point or a huge contributor on offense. And of course, that's the day he listens to the podcast and decides to put up 15 points. So, Jason, thank 15 you. 15 points, by the way, 15 points on perfect shooting, five of five, on perfect three shooting. of three from three. And the last game, I was like, maybe he shouldn't take a couple consecutive three pointers from the corner. And he's burying them this game. He showed me. <laughs> Jason. Thanks for being a great motivator uh, on the on the D, on the DBR podcast because that's what we need. We need to motivate these guys, however way we can. And it's clear that he listens because he just said, "Oh, this Jason guy thinks I'm not going to score 15. I'm going to score 15, including a, a play that we'll talk about much later in the play of the game." Um, so, but I, I think again, not just the offense, but again the defense. He he brought that energy, and I think that contributed because he was the first guy off the bench. And really, we'll talk about the fact that he was the only guy that really can that really got playing time off the bench. The other three guys that came off the bench combined for fewer minutes than Jason, uh, than Jalen Blakes did. So the energy that he brings first off the bench contributed to the fact that I thought we were much better as a team in the beginning of the game, that slow start that has plagued us the last three weeks. We entered the, I mean, Jared McCain hits that three to start the game. It goes from there. And then when Jalen Blakes enters the game, that energy continues. We reached the first media timeout, Jason, that was the first time we led at the under-16 media timeout since the LaSalle game. So it's been almost a month since we led are you, wait, the are first you media me, timeout. Wait, are you man? Come on. Yeah. Yeah, I did that research. But, like, the energy was there. The cohesion was there. The defense, like, again, a lot of stuff that Jalen Blakes does cannot be put on a stat sheet. But he was able to force guys into making bad decisions. They, It, it felt like the game was at ease very early on because of the fact that Jalen Blakes and on the rest of the starters came in and had that mentality of let's get the energy going. Let's keep this, let's keep this crowd into it and let's make it where it's easy on ourselves and, and or more difficult in Charlotte. They did that the whole game, but Jalen Blakes, I thought was a real catalyst from the energy department. Yeah. Well, and the other guy you have to call out and, and we heard it in the headlines, uh, Jared McCain. And, mm -hmm. and I want to note that his mother, Gina, who says she listens to the podcast now. I met her a week ago. She says she now listens every so often. And uh, she wrote to me. Um, we texted with each other, and she wrote to me prior to the game, and she said, Jared is due for a big game. Gina, <laughs> you were right. Career-high 21 points do. for Jared McCain. You knew that. Huh? Yeah. I said, that's what moms do. Exactly. Exactly. She knew. She knew. Uh, no, career-high 21 points for Jared. I thought that the thing that really pleased me, obviously hitting the three-pointers was big, you know, three of seven on three-pointers and, and every single one of them looked like they were going to go down. Um, but to me, the bigger thing was uh, his aggression, taking the ball into the lane, taking those those short, um, you know, pull-up kind of jumpers where he, he gets his man, you know, twisting a whole bunch of different ways and is eventually able to get a very, what I think are very, very high percentage shots close to the basket inside of 10 feet. I think the fact that he is able to do that is why Jared McCain has a has a huge future in professional basketball. It's why Duke looks at Jared McCain as a guy who's potentially, you know, future leading scorer for this team. Um, you know, the way he did in this game, scoring 21 points. I think you're going to see you can see that kind of output from him more and more often. And, and I, I was just incredibly impressed with his decision making in this game. And, you know, his ability to get to the spots where he could be dangerous. This is what I thought we were going to get from Jared McCain all year. And it's only been very spotty up until now. I hope we don't, I hope in two or three weeks or, you know, mid-January, we're not again saying it's spotty from him. 
I hope that this game launches something that is going to continue. Not saying he's going to get 21 points every game, but you know, more consistency is important. But in this one game, he was truly outstanding. And as much as I love Jalen Blake's play and Jeremy Roach, there are several guys who played really excellent in this ball game. To me, Jared McCain was the guy whose play was a difference maker for this Duke team. You mentioned he hit that opening three pointer, very first possession of the game. Um, that set the tone for a Duke team that has struggled so much from long range shooting in recent games for him to immediately come out of the blocks and hit a three pointer on the very first play. It just, it, it told you that today is not going to be like what we saw last week. It almost was my play of the game because of how important that was to build the confidence of this team. And, and you mentioned Jason with Jerry McCain, he has had, times this year where he has shown how cerebral he is on offense like like you said he's able to be in the right spots he's able to make the right decisions he's able to contribute when things aren't working if he's not shooting the ball well he contributes in other ways and we saw more of that yesterday uh and again it's about the consistency for all of the, all of these players to do it on a night to night basis and i think the best part for jason is that you know hostra is only a few days away instead of another week where they have to think about it it's going to be maybe the repetition is what was is needed to kind of get him to continue to be consistent in that area. But it was terrific from the opening tip to the end. He, again, provided that energy, provided the shooting. He provided the passing. And again, he took a lot of the, some of the responsibilities for, that Tyrese Proctor used to have and was able to apply without, again, you know, you know, having to give up something else of his game. He was able to drive the lane. He was able to pass the ball. He was able to shoot the ball. He did incredibly well yesterday. Hey, so someone else I want to shout out. And look, you know, I, I don't want to forget Jeremy Roach, who I thought was outstanding again. And his three-point shooting, his ability to create um, for himself and for others has really, really been essential to this team in recent weeks. But I don't want to ignore Mark Mitchell. Mm -hmm. Mark Mitchell's a guy who a week ago was sent to the bench. Um, you know, he he had... He was taken out of the starting lineup, and his response to that <clears throat> was to have what I heard was, I heard from sources, he had a really good week of practices. Uh, in this game, he ended up leading. He went back in the starting lineup. He led Duke in minutes played in this game. I'm not sure if you noticed that, but he had more time than anyone else on the team. Um, and he repeatedly found a way to be dangerous. He was taking the ball to the hole, getting into the lane, getting fouled a ton. He takes 12 free throws in this game. You know, that's that's a guy who's really getting that's a guy who's getting to the line. And he missed some early. At one point, I think he was two of six, but he finished mm -hmm. eight of twelve. You know, like he cleaned it up later in the game. And and I just thought the if Mark Mitchell can be dangerous on offense, that that elevates this Duke team in a very, very significant way because he's such an effective defender. You know, no matter what, is when Mark Mitchell is struggling, he's still bringing defense to the table. So if he can be effective on offense, if he can grab some rebounds, he got some boards for us in this game as well. You know, he picked up five rebounds, I think it was. Um, it, it's such a bonus when he's taking that ball to the hoop and putting pressure on the opposition. Uh, he had a couple assists in this game, so he's also moving the ball around a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm not saying it was like his best game or anything like that. But compared to what we've been getting from him lately, that was the Mark Mitchell that I need to see. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think what was the stat now, I think has only been two games that we've lost when he has scored more than 10 points. Like, 
it's it's not that he needs to be the focal point of the offense, but him being involved in the offense really helps Duke go because it, it gives another scoring option. It get again, it kind of takes the pressure off of the other guys on offense. And it's not that they're playing four on five. Um, and I think when it comes to Mark Mitchell, like you said, 12 points, five rebounds, two assists, two steals. He 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 did so much in so many different areas, including defense. And I think that the one part about the struggles the last couple of weeks for him is that it's not necessarily his offense that's been struggling the most has been his defense because his defense is what fuels his offense. And I think this time the defense, he was on point. And because of that, he felt more confident on the offensive end. He could go to the rack and, and go to the free throw line and, and, you know, knock down those free throws. And like you said, he missed some early, early on, but he settled into it and still was aggressive at getting to the rack, either getting points or going to the free throw line and knocking it down that way. So I was really proud of him returning to the lineup and also just getting his bounce back, his his confidence. I feel like when he doesn't have that pressure of of being great, then he's a much better basketball player, and it shows. Yeah, hey, the last thing I have in the good that I wanted to mention, uh, 36-25, to 25, Duke wins the rebounding battle in this game. And, and look, we noted Charlotte's not a team that gets a lot of offensive rebounds, but they are a good defensive rebounding team. They're a very, very big club. Plenty of guys, you know, 6'10 and up that are in that lineup um, and, and very physical guards as well who can rebound. And this is a team, a Charlotte team that usually does not give up many offensive rebounds. Not going to say that Duke killed them on the offensive boards, but Duke grabbed almost 35% of our missed shots, which is a good number. And again, to to win the overall rebounding battle by 11, it, it you know, that that's what you need to see for Duke against teams like this. And I, I, Kyle Filipowski, we'll, we're going to get to him in the bad, but I do want to mention that th- this is a guy who took care on the boards, 13 rebounds. You know, like Kyle had, Kyle had almost half as many rebounds as the entire Charlotte team combined. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good effort on his part. He was, he was staying in there and he was battling. I, I know he, I know he was frustrated at his offense. It really, I mean, the, you know, Arguably, offensively, this is the worst game Kyle Filipowski's had in his career. I haven't looked. I should look back. I, my bet is I wouldn't be surprised if five points is the least number of points he's had in any game in his career. But you know, he was he was really struggling on offense. But good players, great players, find a way to impact the game when they're struggling at the thing that you usually count on. And for him to grab that many rebounds, uh, you know, that, that's that's a big effort on his part. Yeah, I think he had a game last year where he had zero points and then followed up with like twenty-seven and and fifteen. So. Uh, but at the same time, Jason, I, I applaud him because, again, we'll talk about him, his offensive struggles. But at least on defense, he was able to continue his dominance, right? Like, it, it, it's one thing if Flip is getting five points and only, like, two boards. But five points and 13 boards and, and also contributed four assists, right? Like, so, when thing, again, when yeah. things aren't going right, he's able to make up for it in other ways and continue to keep this team going forward. Uh, by the way, uh, I completely forgot. Uh, Kyle went scoreless against Virginia in the overtime game mm-hmm. a year ago. That that's it. Yeah. So that's his worst offensive game. <laughs> and it should have been two points, right? Because hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. hundred percent fouled. Uh, anyway, that's his worst offensive game. This is his second worst offensive game, but again, I'm glad that Kyle sort of bounced back. Donald, you got any um, bounce back at least, you know, on the boards and, and got all those mm-hmm. rebounds and I'm, I'm anticipating he'll bounce back against Hofstra in, in Duke's next game. Uh, Donald, you got anything else in the good, or should we should we move on to the bad? I, I think real quickly, like you mentioned, you know, we barely mentioned Jeremy Roach, and I think that's a good thing. Jeremy Roach has become 
the most consistent player on this team, you know, consistently getting his double digits and, and, and really, you know, at times leading the offense from a scoring perspective. Uh, so I, I'm really happy for the fact that, you know, we don't have to talk much about Jeremy Roach uh, over the last couple of weeks because he's been a steady scorer. And, and yesterday was no exception. I really enjoy the fact he had 18 points. Like you said, he was shooting the ball. Well, he was, he was driving the lane. Well, he wasn't getting blocks. You know, you know, there's a lot of times where he'll go to the lane and, and have games where he's not getting uh, he's, he's basically getting blocked every single time. Nobody blocked his shots yesterday. So everything he did had a chance of going in. I like when Jeremy Roach is very consistent because it, it ho- hopefully will help calm everybody down. I'm going to give you really quickly some season statistics on Jeremy Roach so far. And granted, we're only nine games in, but but these are just worth noting. So Jeremy Roach in the season is 14 of 29 from three-point range. That's 48%. Uh, you know, that's from a guy who who's in his previous, let's just do it. His previous three seasons, 31% from three, 32, then 34 so you'd he's gotten better every year. You'd expect him to go from 34 to about 36. I would have been thrilled if he'd been as high as 38. The fact that Jeremy Roach is hitting 48% of his three-pointers. First of all, by the way, not sustainable. <laughs> I don't I don't think he's going to end the year at 48% three-point shooting. I, I hope Jeremy it. Roach sustains this. I hope I hope I lose the stats game because he went 48% from three. Please do. Please do this, Jeremy. <laughs> yes. But just, you know, early this season for him to be hitting threes at that kind of rate is really, really impressive. By the way, his turnover rate is outstanding. You know, among guards, he's like one of the leading turnover rate guys in the country. He's just not turning the ball over very much at all. Um, you know, all his all his stats, everything about him ha- has has been really excellent. He's he's playing better than 30 minutes per game. I think he's the only guy in Duke who's averaging better than 30 minutes per game right now. Um, I, what Jeremy Roach is bringing to the table is what you would expect from a from an experienced senior guard like this. And yeah, the fact that we don't talk about him a lot is because we expect him to do what he's been doing. There there, there were some Duke fans, Donald, who when Jeremy Roach announced he was coming back, were sort of like, oh, do we really need him? We, you know, this is just gonna make yes. it more difficult to develop, you know, the, the freshman guards, McCain and 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 Foster. Shut up, folks. Shut, have you <laughs> lost your mind? <laughs> I want a senior guard to come back, please. Yes. Guy who's been a consistent starter at Duke for several years. I think that's a good thing to have. And he is showing us again and again in games this season that he's someone we can count on. And frankly, there's not a lot that we've been able to count on, um, you know, from this, from what has been a somewhat inconsistent Duke team thus far. All right. With that, we're going to take a quick break on the other side. Not all good. A little bit of bad. Some things we got to talk about. I have a feeling Kyle Filipowski's name may come up. I have a feeling the bench may come up. I have a feeling block shots may come up. All that after the break. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many... Leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. 
And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back from the break, and we're still talking about Duke's victory over Charlotte, an impressive victory, uh, a game where Duke was in control the entire time, but it wasn't all perfect. And, Donald, I'm going to start our conversation about the bad with some of the bench guys because you'll recall in the preview we were talking about who's going to get the uh, the Tyrese Power minutes. Where are those? I'm sorry, Tyrese Proctor minutes. <laughs> you can read my mind. You can tell where I'm going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, who's going to get the Tyrese Proctor minutes? And, and I said, I had two names. I said, Jalen Blake's boy, was I right about that? (laughs) Jalen Blake's big minutes yesterday. And I said, TJ power. And I was kind of wrong about that. TJ only plays six minutes. He ended up with a 6 trillion. Didn't, you know, didn't contribute in, it didn't scratch the box score other than minutes played. Um, I really, from what I'd heard coming out of practice, you know, I've, I, I got people who are telling me a little bit about what they're seeing and hearing inside these practices. And I, I'd heard that TJ had had a really good week. Uh, I was a little surprised. I, I think p- probably part of it was Mark Mitchell was having a good game and you could sort of tell that early on. And Jalen Blakes came in and was playing well. And and I think John Shire sort of, you know, 
didn't have room to to get to TJ Power in this game, but but I really expected more from him than than only playing six minutes, and I expected him to do something at least put up a shot. But buddy, you know, uh, Sean Stewart only plays six minutes and does really nothing of note in those six minutes. Although, although almost so, not just play of the game; it would have been play of the century. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the fast break that Jalen Blake's was running, where he went behind his back twice. And then went behind his back on a pass to Sean Stewart that got knocked away. If it didn't get knocked away, I think Sean Stewart would have just yammed it. And it would have been like one of the most incredible bench plays you'll ever see in your lifetime. Jalen Blake's mm-hmm. and Sean Stewart with like three behind the backs. I mean, like, un- but it didn't happen. I almost made that my play of the game, Donald. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was, it's almost so incredible. But Sean Stewart really did nothing of note. I do want to point out Ryan Young who only played six minutes, but was really productive in his six minutes. He had three rebounds. He blocked a shot. He had an offensive rebound that he turned into a bucket. You know, Ryan didn't play a lot. It's clear. One of the things we mentioned in the preseason was, oh, how much is Kyle going to play the five? How much is he going to play the four? Kyle's almost exclusively playing the five. <laughs> where You know, you're, you're seeing very few lineups where Ryan Young or Sean Stewart are in there with Kyle Filipowski. It just doesn't happen all that often. Um, but, but Ryan Young, at least, was good. But the rest of our bench, I thought, you know, did not give us much at all. Uh, Jalen Blakes was great. Ryan Young in limited time was fine. But for TJ Power and Sean Stewart, I just, guys, I got to see a little more from y'all, you know? What, what else you got in the bad, my friend? It's it's interesting, right? Uh, you mentioned TJ Power had a six trillion. He also had a plus nine, uh, which is which is why we say, hey, plus, plus minus isn't always an indicative of what you're looking at a game. Because again, you go six trillion, you probably shouldn't be ending with plus nine. But it means he was on the court at some pretty opportune times for Duke where we were moving the ball and, and getting some points. Converse that with Jalen Blakes, who was 21, who had, you know, 21 minutes off the bench. And he, in 15 points, and he was a plus two. Like, he was more than a plus two to me. You're, you're more than a plus yeah, two to my exactly. book. Like, <laughs> like, that's, like, so it's interesting how those worked out. But again, I think, you know, at the end, it was essentially, it was in essence a six-man rotation, right? Like, in the seventh was, man yeah. was just somebody who came in while somebody was spelled for a couple minutes for rest. It's not like we had foul trouble, which is good. We've we've had to deal with foul trouble where guys have had to play extended minutes off the bench. But Jalen Blakes was the guy who got the lion's share of those minutes that were, you know, available from Tyrese Proctor being out. And he took advantage of that. And the other guys didn't really do much to kind of keep them on the floor. And also it was like you mentioned, Mark Mitchell was doing well. Even though Flip wasn't doing well on offense, we were still sticking with him because on defense, I thought he was he was contributing. And so for those big men, there weren't a lot of and, and guards I thought were playing very well. So there wasn't a lot of opportunities. It felt like, you know, John Shire was like, hey, these guys are, are, are hot. Let them cook. And because of that, there weren't there wasn't any room for these guys to also be chefs in the kitchen, so to speak. So it it that's going to change. Right. Like this this rotation is. Is not set in stone. We've seen it change every single game based on who's hot and who's not. We have another game on Tuesday where these guys will have a chance to contribute. But I think, again, when it comes to TJ Power and Sean Stewart especially, they need to figure out how to keep themselves on the floor once they get onto the floor. And whether it's through shooting, whether it's through, you know, vicious dunks, whether it's through defense blocking, you know, manning up on, on you know, against your opponent, however they need to do it, they just need to be a little bit more consistent about it because we didn't see much for them yesterday. But that doesn't mean that we've closed the door on these guys getting a lot of minutes. This is something where they need to figure out, okay, what did I do, you know, 
poorly in this game that I can get rid of in the next game. And they'll be right back in it. But again, I think the bench has to figure out a way to be more productive short of, you know, one person. Cause it seems like off the bench for, you know, most of the season so far, it's only been like one guy who's contributed off the bench and not several guys where you can figure out, Hey, we can, we can extend this bench and be deep because no matter whose number we call, we're going to get some, we're going to get some production out of it. Yeah. So as we continue with the bat, I, I have to talk about the block shots and Duke's, uh, struggling inability to finish at the rim uh, and in traffic, especially Kyle Filipowski. Uh, it, Duke Duke was blocked six times. Three of those were on Kyle. Um, and again, that's not shots he blocks. That's where he's going up for a shot and it gets blocked. We don't need to, to labor. We don't need to belabor the fact that Kyle Filipowski was just two of 10 from the floor. Um, but this was, and, and Charlotte's a big team. You know, he was going up against, Guys who are strong, guys who are t- Deshaun Jackson, 6'11", 260. Um, and they and, and they seem to bring in, you know, they had this, uh, you know, they had other guys who were like just large, <laughs> large individuals, 6'10", 6'11", 7 feet, you know, 220, 240, 260 kind of kind of uh kind of weight on them. And Kyle struggled with it. He he's he's got to find a way to to be better. He's got to find a way to get back to like, it felt to me like he wasn't doing quite as much of getting the ball in the perimeter and driving to the basket as he has in recent games. He's mostly just getting it in the post and trying to put moves in the post. But this was a poor game from Kyle and and the block shots are something that has bedeviled Duke a lot lately. Um, And we got to find a way to to fix that because we got some good opponents coming up who are going to take advantage of it. He's been, very frustrated the last few games on offense, especially. And, and it's not, it, it, there's no like one thing to kind of pinpoint, but I will say one thing that I've seen that's kind of contributed to that fact is Jason, you mentioned that he's not in those positions that we saw last year where he was able to feel comfortable at doing his thing, right? Whether it was backing down the post or like you said, getting the ball on the perimeter and seeing that his guy, it's slow and going, well, I'm just going to take him to the rack and either go to the free throw line or, you know, get two points, you know, very, very close to the basket. I think part of that is the fact that he's probably still not comfortable with him being at the five. Last year, he was a lot of times at the four. A lot of those defensive responsibilities were taken off him. So he felt more fresh to be able to do his thing on offense. This year, he has increased his workload on defense, which I think has been much improved from last year. But the the sacrifice, it seems like, has been diminished efficiency on offense because it seems like he's either more tired, more frustrated. He's not getting all the calls that he got last year when he would be hacked on every single play. Um, yeah, you know, dude, by the way, the rack. He, he took two free throws. Like, how is it even possible? Right. And the Kyle only took two free throws. And there's one. So he only had two fouls, right? We've had some games here where he's been in foul trouble. This game, he only had two fouls, so he was not in foul trouble. But one of those, Jason, was a play where it was like they called the foul on him, and he arrived two seconds after the foul occurred, and they gave it to him. And he's right; he's rightfully complaining, like, "What? What did I do? Like, I like I wasn't even there." And it wasn't there was no review or anything like that to say, "Oh, this was on you know someone else." I think it was supposed to be probably was supposed to be on like Mark Mitchell or somebody, but like Kyle Filipowski gets the call, and that that he's gotten a lot of things this year where it has frustrated him clearly. And I think 
the one thing that I would like to see over the next couple of weeks, and I know we have Hofstra and then a week off before Baylor, is to figure out what where like remember what made him successful and put him in those positions. Set up a not necessarily every single play, but get him in those positions more often than not where he can get the ball and be like, oh yes, I know what to do uh with the basketball from here. You know, I got it from here. He doesn't have that comfort level yet. I think part of that is because of the fact that he has increased responsibilities by being at the five versus the four. And because of that, he's like you said, he's battling bigger guys every night. He's battling guys who are going to hack him. And it, it's almost when, when two seven footers are going at her, you know, seven footer, six, 10, and they're hacking each other. It, it's the same as football holding, right? It occurs in every play, but they're not going to call it. But because of that, the frustration level rises because he is getting fouled on a lot of these, a lot of these drives of the basket. He is getting fouled. Even when he's getting blocked, He's getting there's opportunities where he's saying, hey, they're holding me down here and he needs to figure out how to get himself more free so that he can do his thing. All right. So I got one more thing in the bad and then I'm gonna let you wrap it up if you got anything else. But my last thing in the bad was I really thought that Duke, we gave Charlotte life when we lost focus for a little run there in the second half. Charlotte went on an 11 nothing run. And I'm just going to recount for you sort of what led to what happened during this 11 to zero run. Cause you're going to hear this. And you're going to be like, man, that's really sloppy. <laughs> so we, it started when we fouled a three point shooter, never foul a Please, please never foul a three point shooter. Um, we then immediately gave up an offensive rebound on a free throw. Then we had uh, Ryan young had a turnover. Caleb Foster got just jammed packed in the paint on a shot where he was going up for a ball and they just destroyed it. And Jared McCain had a turnover. I mean, giving up three-point fouls and offensive rebounds on free throws and turning balls over, bad. It was it was like, it was as bad, a, it was about a minute and a half, two minutes. It's as bad as Duke is going to be all year. I do want to tip my cap to both Jeremy Roach and Jalen Blakes, who saved us when, when you know, it. it looked like that might continue to spiral. And and they were the guys who like got to the free throw line and stayed calm. Jalen Blake's drew a charge. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think it was a charge under the new rules. They've changed the charge rules. Frankly, it was a charge a year ago. I don't think it was a charge this year, but they called it. We'll I'll take, take it. it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and 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 that saved Duke, and it, it helped us to push the lead back out again. Not that 11 points you were ever like, oh no, we're gonna lose, but you know, it it kept it it kept Charlotte from getting more and more confidence and feeling like they had a chance in this game. So I, I guess it started with a bad, it turned into a good, but, but the bad was there was some very, very sloppy play at, at a moment when, you know, I think the team does need to identify, okay, something's happening here. We need to buckle down a little bit. We need to make sure we get just the right shot. We need to hang on to the ball. And, and they didn't do that for a couple minutes and it, and it showed and it, and it let Charlotte back in the game that they were otherwise out of. Yeah. I think, for those plays or at least that stretch of basketball. I think the only reason why I, you know, I use it as a cause, not necessarily for concern, but it's something to, to note is that in an otherwise comfortable game, that was the part that was the most uncomfortable, right? Like we, like I said, we were, we were 11, we were, we had a double digit lead for 30 minutes of this basketball game. And at that point it was 23 points. It was, I think it was 53 to 30. And then they got it down to 55 to 44. And that's as close as they ever got again. Like after that, we yeah. push the lead up and we end up winning uh, by 24. I, I think the problem with it is, is we have to figure out, like you said, to kind of figure out a way to stop it early. 
don't let you know you don't want anyone to go on an 11 0 run like that's just that's just something you don't do but i feel like you know fans have kind of ptsd from the last couple of weeks where when we see those runs we, we've seen them in every game we go oh no like we're back to we're back to re- regressing to what we've done the last couple of weeks but in this case i think we were able to make some good plays on defense to end it and then the offense kind of took over from there we just have to figure out how to eliminate those stretches you're going to have them in games you're going to have scoreless drops but make it because you're not shooting the basketball well and not because you're sloppy right like don't make it where you're throwing the ball away making bad decisions if you're taking good shots and missing them you're going to have cold streaks in games you you can overcome those but again just make it where you're not sloppy exactly are right, you ready to move on to our player of a uh, play of the game and player of the week yeah let's yep, do it let's do it play of the game you you alluded to it give, give me yours uh, it was early in the first half jeremy roach outlet to uh jalen blake jalen blake dunks it dunks it so hard he flies into the third row of the uh stands <laughs> jalen blake's doesn't dunk ladies and gentlemen he doesn't do that until he does and when he does he yams it so uh, look, that's that's the play of the game. I don't know if you got anything else that even comes close to that, but you're wrong. So that was my play of the game. I had a backup, and and I agree mm-hmm. with you. The Roach slam, uh, the the Roach picking up the loose ball, and and Jalen Blake slamming it is the play of the game. But my backup was this, and see what you think about this, because you alluded to this as well. My backup was the opening play, the opening sequence for Duke on offense of both the first and second half. In the first half, it was Jared McCain who got a straightaway three from the top of the circle, swish, and the opening play of the second half for Duke, McCain got like one of those short runners. He missed it, which he rarely does, but he missed it. Caleb Foster got the rebound, and McCain had instantly relocated out to the three-point line, and Foster fed him, and McCain then, after missing a two, buried a three. So essentially, you start the first half and the second half, both times, with Jared McCain hitting a three-pointer. Man, that's huge for this team. For a team that has struggled. So not my official play of the game, but those are my backup plays of the game. The backup play for me was that first that first play of the game, that first three-pointer, because like I said, it created it was so important for confidence levels. It was so important from an energy perspective. It was so important from getting out to a good start. Like I said, we had not led at an under 16 media timeout since the LaSalle game. And again, coming out going up three to one or three nothing. And then they come back and it's three to two, and then we make it five to two. That I think you're thinking, okay, Donald, that's a very mundane portion of the game. It's the first couple plays of the game. Of course, it's going to be like five to two or something like that. But that's the confidence that we needed to go. Oh, hey, we went down and no damage was done. We went down and got a stop. We went, came over here and got some points. Let's just keep doing that the rest of the game. And it, that energy, you could see the energy level in everyone, not just the players, but even the even everybody in Cameron kind of leveled up a little bit because they go, oh, okay. We're not having a slow start anymore, and when we don't have a slow start, we're the best team on this court. We're going to we're we're going to be comfortable in this game. That's what that's what how important sometimes starting a game can be. All right, let's move on to player of the week. Only one game to consider here, and I think it's a no brainer to me. Look, hat tip to Jared McCain, and and to several other guys who had good games. Sorry, Jalen Blake's is player of the week. There's like no question in my mind for when he is bringing offense like that five of five from the field, three of three from three-point range, and you combine it with the energy and defense, forget about it. Jalen Blakes is my player of the week. Who you got, Donald? You you, you can't have Jalen Blakes do what he did and not get player of the week. There you is go. That, is that simple? Exactly. All right, with that, we're going to wrap it up here on the latest edition of the Duke Basketball Roundup. Remember, you can email us 
dbrpodcast at gmail.com. That's how you reach out to us. Check your feeds. We'll be back in your feeds very, very soon to preview the game against Hofstra. I want to warn people in advance of this. It is really easy to see the name Hofstra and be like, who? Come on. You know, small opponent, you know, not going to be a big deal for Duke. Do not overlook this team. The uh, Hofstra is a quality opponent. We're going to be previewing them in the next day or so. It'll be coming in your feeds. That game's on Tuesday. Until then, he's Donald. I'm Jason. This is the Duke Band. Playing us out and taking us home. So the way I, I'm going to have to fix this. Uh, so I take all my notes. I have a different computer that I take all my notes and everything on. Mm-hmm. And and then I come to this computer because it for some reason, this computer records the audio better. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like the audio on the other computer, it just sounds a little bit like I'm um, in the water. <laughs> in a box, yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, I like to record on this computer because it sounds so much better. So I, I usually use my Gmail. Um, I just create a draft of, a, of an email. And I dump all my notes in there. And then that's how I transfer my notes from one computer to the other. But for some reason today, when I transferred my notes, rather than go- them going across the screen, they're going up and down. <laughs> oh, that happened to me yesterday. Um, I sent a, you know, I in soccer, I have to send like all these lists of things that we need to bring into the stadium. So I usually just bullet point them and uh, and then send it. And it just appears as such. But when I sent it, I went back and checked because I was like, wait a minute, did I send that? You know, it was my it was like Saturday morning. So I went back and checked it and it was all messed up. Like it was not in bullet form. Like the bullets were still there, but it yeah. was just like a paragraph instead of it being like a lo- a list of things. So I was like, oh, I know they're looking at this like, what is what did he what did he do this morning? Because that's not normally how it looks. And yeah. now that you say that it, it sounds like because when I sent it, it was like that. And then it Gmail just kind of took it. Just wait, I'm about paragraph. to show you what my notes look like. <laughs> wait. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I see it now. That's like that's a nice spreadsheet. <laughs> I don't know. How did it do that? That's just crazy. I... Oh my god. Yeah, I don't know. So give me a second. I'm gonna go okay. back and get my notes in a form that I can actually read them. This is just bizarre yes. looking. <laughs> <laughs>